myself a Lincoln Got me plotting, got me plotting, got me thinking, got me thinking How can I come up and get myself a Lincoln? I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental, Cotton, Continental I'm a Continental Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast Hey, it's Jason ODB, a.k.a. The Lincoln Addict, here with episode 10 of The Lincoln Addict Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Devious Customs and Colorado Custom Wheels, also known as CC Cycle Wheels. Follow at Devious Customs on Instagram or Facebook. Remember, they have the best airbag kits on the market for these 60-era Lincoln Continentals. Also, CC Cycle Wheels, a.k.a. Colorado Custom Wheels. Hit up Michael and the team for your custom billet wheel needs, including the best Lincoln replica wheels on the market. Yes, the same look and feel as the factory hubcap, however, in a billet aluminum polished wheel. Visit cccyclewheels.com or Instagram, CC Cycle Wheels. Let them know Lincoln Attic Podcast sent you. All right, since having Pat Tehan on, this is our follow-up episode two, episode nine, of course, and uh, on episode 10, really a lot to talk about. On this episode, really the key title guest is Danny from Steel Rubber. I highly suggest that uh, you follow, if you're on Instagram, Steel, S-T-E-E-L-E, Rubber. Also, they're on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So you'll get a chance to hear a little bit about the company's history and why steel rubber has the best weather stripping on the market, especially for these 60-era Lincoln Continentals, and the parts just keep coming. You'll get a chance to also hear from Danny about some of the pieces that they're planning to make once they get good originals that they can scan and reproduce. So I highly suggest if you own one of these cars, go out to steel rubber, S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com, request one of the free catalogs, We'll also talk a little bit to Danny about that awesome option that they have. They ship those out pretty quick. And then, as you guys have heard me say in the past, go into Excel or Google Sheets, which Google Sheets is free. Uh, Just Google, Google Sheets. And uh, make a a spreadsheet of what you need, some of the parts that you think you're going to need over the course of time. And then that way, as you get down in your build, you can easily go out there and start ordering parts as you need them. So Lincoln Life Updates brought to you by Steel Rubber. So I got a, a good amount of things to talk about here. The first one is a friend of ours to the podcast, and we've also had him on the other podcast that I produce, which is Our Lifestyle, the podcast, centered around the mini truck world, the truck world, air suspension, old school BMX, things such as that. But Dave Shulman is no stranger to building some pretty cool awesome rides for the SEMA show. And Dave has picked up a 2019 Navigator just this week that he's basically building for SEMA 2019. Yes, in just a few months, the SEMA show, first week in November. 
we're really anxious to kind of see how this build comes together. We will share his rendering, so he's partnering up with some of the the names that he has in the past, including Fat Fabs. That's a P H A T P H A B Z, and uh, Fat Fabs built his F three fifty precious metal. So again, we're anxious to see what they do with this twenty nineteen Navigator. So pretty cool. You can go out if you want to see uh, the Dave's profile on Instagram. Just type in S H U L M A N. And you'll see Dave Shulman pull up there. It's S-H-U-I-Jet, J-E-T-N, Jules, J-E-W-E-L-S. You'll see that. But uh, go out there, check it out. It's also referred to as a pretty cool name there. Looks like it's going to have a full chassis, big wheels, you name it, AccuAire. So get out there, check it out. And uh, if you don't, we will share one of the photos, the rendering, if you will, of the Navigator 2019. Looks pretty, pretty awesome. All right, next up, we have Doc Hutchinson. Okay, Doc was a prior guest, and he has officially launched the new foot pedals for the 60-era Lincolns. Now, you know, some guys are the purists, and they want to keep it OG or original. Totally get that. But this is a really, really nice piece that Doc has put together. They put some R&D into it. And if you're looking to switch out your foot pedals for the 60 Lincoln Continentals, which I'll raise my hand, I I bought a set. They look really, really good. He had some anodized options as well. So very, very cool. He's, of course, at Epic Customs. So on Instagram, if you type in E-P-I-C Customs altogether, you'll see Doc Hutchinson there. Now, when we had him on, we talked a little bit about the process overall. But when you look at the photo of all of the kits or the sets that he had made, including the brake pedal, the gas pedal, and the parking brake uh, landing pedal there, they did a really good job. The hardware is all nice stainless steel. So I'm looking forward to changing out my gas pedal. The original's cool, but these are way cooler. And uh, big ups to Doc at Epic Customs for putting that together. Now, of course, if you didn't get in on the pre-order or pre-sale, you can always hit him up. He is looking to have a few sets in stock over the course of time. So I'm sure if you start to see these installation or the installations of these pedals and you get uh, excited about them, you can reach out to Epic Customs via a direct message on Instagram or it's epiccustoms.ca. He is up there in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Okay, these next few items are items that kind of pop up in my Google feed over the course of the week or two between new episodes. The first one is from HotRod.com. So the Hot Rod Tour 2019 video spotlight, this was pretty cool. They did a 1965 Lincoln Continental spotlight, and uh, it kind of talks a little bit about the fact that the car is bone stock from a mechanical perspective, but I quote, with only a few subtle exterior modifications, this old Lincoln is about as good as it gets when the goal is to cruise on the power tour in style. The, uh, they shared a few photos. It's a yellow car, and uh, it looks really, really nice. So I thought it was kind of cool that uh, HotRod.com, that they threw a little bit of love over to the Lincolns. Okay, on Twitter, now this was earlier in the year. I don't know if I mixed this up in my notes, but... This was back from March, March 24th, and 365 Days Motoring. They said 71 years ago today, which was March 24, uh, 1948, the last Lincoln Continental Mark I was produced. 
and uh, they had a link there over to some more information. But pretty cool that um, you know you could find lots of good information about these Lincolns on Twitter and Facebook. But uh, Twitter, you just search Lincoln Continental, and tons of stuff comes up. I pretty much go out there every week and kind of look to see what's out there. All right, next, there, this was something that popped up also on Twitter. If you follow at Ford House, F-O-R-D House, H-O-U-S-E, this is the historic estate and gardens of Etzel and Eleanor Ford, open for tours Tuesday to Sunday. It's their official handle. And they had a pretty cool post back on June 11th. They said, see this one-of-a-kind 39 Lincoln Motor Company Continental Prototype at Eyes on Design this Sunday, which of course was uh, beginning of June. Uh, it says, the comeback to see our new exhibit on Etzel Ford's design influence in spring 2020. So uh, it, when you click the link, it takes you over to Freep, F-R-E-E-P.com, which is the Detroit Free Press. And it talks about the rare 39 Lincoln prototype stars at Eyes on Design car show. They have a pretty cool photo there of it uh, rolling down the road with some beautiful trees behind it. And uh, they, of course, mentioned the 2019 model, which is the limited with the uh, – or no, they talk about some of the hints. And it says here, with the 2019 limited release Continental, that echoes the models of the 60s. So, uh, you know, pretty cool article. Again, it's not very long, but it's awesome if you want to forward – if you want to follow at Ford House on Twitter. All right, next was Motor Authority. This was titled 1961 Lincoln Continental, 100 Cars That Matter. Not too long of an article, but it starts off with saying in 1961, the one model that Lincoln, or the one model, in 1961, that one model was the Lincoln Continental, the first time the name graced a vehicle from the Lincoln division since 1948. And it has a couple cool photos of a white drop top with uh, white wall tires, of course, and it uh, looks really, really good. But uh, they have a whole series of Motor Authority compiling 100 cars that uh, have forever changed enthusiasts. And uh, they also highlight in here, it was the first vehicle manufactured in America to offer a two-year, 24,000 bumper-to-bumper warranty. And then Ford Management, it says, stood by its commitment to build the finest mass-produced car buyers had ever seen. Each Continental, as many of you know, underwent an excruciating post-production inspection after it rolled off the Wixom, Michigan assembly line. So pretty cool article there. Next is MotorOne.com. A lot of these pop up in my Google feed. This was something I don't recall hearing. A 1996 Lincoln Sentinel concept we forgot is the title. And it goes on the subtitle says, the radically styled full-size luxury sedan had a menacing look in a V12 engine, and it talks about this debuted at the 96 North American International Auto Show in Detroit. There's a lot of information on it. When I just kind of scrolled through, it looks like some digital renderings. Maybe it's the real car. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to tell, but then when you get to the interior, you, you kind of go, okay, yeah, that, that, you know, that does look like a real car, not just a mock-up, but... I wish it had a little bit more photos, but uh, there were more than I expected, to be honest. The one thing that stood out to me is I didn't like the design of the car at all, the grille, but I did like that uh, the door handles, it appeared that it had suicide doors, and uh, the door handles were real subtle underneath the uh, center pillar. It is a four-door car, 
a lot of information about the car. And uh, this said, whatever happened to it? Well, as far as we know, O.C. Welch Ford Leak Dealership located in South Carolina wanted to sell it for 80000 back in April 2009, but failed to buy a buy or failed to find a buyer. Months later, it showed up on eBay for a much lower buy it now price of 31500 The rest is mystery. Uh, pretty cool, though, that some of those will make it out of the, the crusher. I know we've heard a lot of stories over the years. I'm not by any means an expert when it comes to concept cars, but I know in the truck world, in the you know the different uh, magazines, we kind of get their hands on the early uh, pre-production models and let them customize them. And uh, those supposedly were supposed to be crushers in many examples. I know a few full-size trucks from Chevy that basically were highly customized and then they had to be given back and they weren't that crushed. But it's always cool when these concept cars kind of make it out, stink out, if you will. Now, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll see that I actually posted back on, let's see, June 27th. uh, And I mentioned with Jim and Basil, they were down in, I think, South America checking out uh, a really awesome collection. I went ahead and had some photos saved of an RM Auctions retro-futuristic Lincoln Continental concept back in 2002. And uh, I shared the photos that I had saved of it. Now, this car, I could see myself driving. I really like the style of it. I know there were a few comments going, eh, it was ugly, this and that. But to me, this concept that I just mentioned is way nicer than the Sentinel. I don't know why. It just resonates more with me. But uh, it did have suicide doors you can find those photos on our Instagram or Facebook page, Lincoln Addict. Then the last Lincoln Life update uh, that I have for you guys. Now, I may have mentioned this one the last time, and for whatever reason, maybe I didn't scratch it off in my notes, but 2020 Lincoln Corsair revealed with baby aviator look. This was from The Real Auto Blog on Twitter. There's a link there that you can click on that takes you over to their website. And it just gives a little bit more information about the SUV. And for some reason, maybe I, I'm thinking maybe I did cover this, but I can tell you the interior looks awesome. I do like where Lincoln's going overall and the uh, the market that they're trying to kind of go after. The Corsair, it does say, uh, will be built in Louisville, Kentucky for the U.S. market, while the Chinese market Corsairs will be built in China. So it is good that they're making the car here in America for the American market. Okay, next up, what I call the Lincoln Continental Broker Updates. So there are a few cars that we have that we're helping to sell. So there is a 63 convertible in Tarpon Springs. Car is a beautiful car. It's mostly original with a few kind of updates. It has the 15-inch wheels. As you guys know, in 63, they did have the 14s. So it has the 64, 65 hubcaps. It does have, I want to be clear, it has the AOD transmission in it, the automatic overdrive. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It would be cheaper to potentially have it rebuilt if you ever needed that done. Also, you have overdrive. So the car runs and drives beautifully. And uh, John Cashman, as well as Blair Farmer, they just got a chance to check out the car. And I think overall, they gave it a thumbs up. There were some things that uh, you know can potentially be tweaked a little bit here and there or that may have to be serviced. But uh, overall, ice-cold air condition with very minor updates on the interior, including the stereo was changed or the head unit. But if you're in the market for a 60s Continental 
We've got that. We also are helping a gentleman sell a 67 sedan. As you guys have heard me say, it is pretty much original. It's black, and it has had a respray, or it has been repainted, so to speak. But overall, the 67 sedan is really, really nice. It's a good driver, as well as a 63 convertible. Convertible's coming in at 40000 asking price. 67 sedan is at 15000 asking price. Now, we were just helping or trying to help a gentleman overseas sell a, a custom 67 white car. You have saw or you've seen us post that. Now, that car, as far as I know, he ended up taking it to an auction. Not sure what the final selling price was, but we'll hopefully have an update on the next episode. Now, the car was really cool for those that are into like the Resto Mod air suspension market. It was pretty awesome. I know it was a tough sale to folks in the U.S. because you had to bring it back over here, but originally he brought the car from the U.S. over to the Middle East, and it's not that hard to do it in the reverse. But um, regardless, that car has since sold, and we will be looking for additional information on it. If you want to follow the the seller, it's a SIX SVN underscore low underscore Lincoln on Instagram. And he mentioned back on June 27th, the car was going through the auction block. All right, next up, we've got Lincolns in the movies. So I got a couple of cool ones. One is I'm not a huge Transformer fan. I grew up in the 80s and uh, love you know, the whole nostalgia of Transformers, cartoons, toys, things like that. But I have, to be honest, I haven't really followed the movie since they started releasing them. But in Transformer, Dark of the Moon, there is a scene with a guy slumped over in a really nice Lincoln. I want to say it's a 61, and there's a police officer standing there to kind of say, get back. But uh, that one, someone mentioned to me recently, and I checked it out. So I'll share the uh, image that I have of that. And then also, we took, uh, the family and I, we went earlier to see Spider-Man, the new one. Enjoyed the movie, good kind of family fun if you're into those kind of movies. It was good. And there was a trailer for Ford versus Ferrari. Now, that movie comes out in November. I had caught wind of this movie that they were going to produce it from someone that uh, will re- that will remain anonymous. And uh, he had kind of been in early talks to build some of the vehicles and do some different things uh, with the production company. I'm not sure how that ever really came about or whatever transpired there, but... I knew that this company was, or that, that this movie was coming out in terms of the tie-in with Carol Shelby, and during you know sitting there in the movie theater, um, sitting there watching, and I noticed in the trailer a '61 Lincoln front end in a quick scene. So go out there, check out the trailer if you just Google Ford V, like which is verse Ford V Ferrari, you'll get a chance to see it. I know it's out there on IMDb, and. Uh, I think it's about a little over two-minute trailer, and you'll see the 61 Lincoln front end that I saw during um, the the build-up or the the, the trailers before the movies uh, earlier today. Okay, Project Smuggler's Blues. Give you guys a few updates here. Some progress made since Episode 9. I'm probably going to forget a few things here, but first and foremost, I bought a gear reduction starter. For anyone that knows starters, they know gear reduction starters are the best of the best. I know Tony, my good friend Tony Boss Bolin, he has one on his 65, and they can get pretty expensive. I got a pretty good deal on one, so if you're looking or you're in the market, hit me up, send me a direct message, or you can email me, lincolnatticpodcast at gmail.com. 
the the starter that I ended up getting kind of has like a billet housing, and it's really light. So if you guys have ever had uh, one of the billet starters kind of in your hand, they're way lighter than the factory starter, which makes it a lot easier to install, especially if you're laying on the ground and uh, you're up underneath your car. But uh, I love the way you know Tony's car just fires right over in terms of the uh, the starter turning over. And with my car, with my boater being bored 30 over, a lot of folks had suggested, you know what, it's not going to hurt to have the extra oomph behind cranking that big uh, 430 motor that's now bored out 30 over. So now the motor itself, I have checked in on it. Uh, Tony and his dad have continued to work on it in between all the other jobs that they have. And I would say it's nearing completion. I saw it a couple weeks ago and I easily 70% completed. So uh, everything so far is kind of coming together with that. Really can't wait to get it back and start putting all the accessories back on it. Not only will it have a gear reduction starter, it'll also have a high output alternator. Some of you guys might be thinking, well, hey, you know, where do I get one? You could probably go out to some of the usual suspects like Tough Stuff. There's a few companies that make HO or high output alternators, but you'd be amazed if you just go to your local starter slash alternator shop like I did. I've worked with them a couple times before in the past, and they can build you one with whatever casing that you want. Now, in my car, I'm going with a crazy 250-amp alternator, and uh, some are kind of questioning, well, why would you, you know, the factory was, I don't know, 60, 65, something like that, I think. And, uh, you know, why would you have to go that high? Uh, Pat Tian, who we recently had on, I think he has a 140-amp Basically, when the gentleman said, hey, we can build you one, no problem, we could make it 150. I said, well, what's the biggest you can make in this one casing? And he said, 250. I said, I'll take it. And the main reason is when you start to resto mod the cars and you have the compressors that are pulling uh, for the air suspension, you have potential stereo, amps. I know Tony has uh, a high output alternator now on his 65, but then you add in potentially electric fans and things like that, and you've got a pretty big draw. So I said, you know what? For the few dollars more that it's going to cost, why not just max it out, 250 amp, and go and be done with it? So that's what I'm doing in my 64 Lincoln Continental. Of course, it's going to have all new battery terminals, a nice little junction block that, um, that'll be nice and clean, and uh, I'll make sure that I take a lot of photos of that. That's my favorite aspect of a build when you start to really kind of get down to those details and, you know, you're you're doing your battery lugs, your shrink wrap, you know, making everything clean with your junction blocks and things like that, that's really what I enjoy about a build coming together. So I'll document that stuff really well and uh, let you guys know how it performs. At this point, I'm not going to add in electric fans yet. I probably should at this point, but... With the new radiator that I have from Champion, I've got a new clutch fan, and uh, with the fan being uh, powder-coated with the mini-text or mini-texture, I just really want to kind of see how it performs with the factory clutch fan. Now, at some point, once I get the car back and you know together, I could spend a day, half day, if you will, and I can go ahead and install the electric fans if I so choose at that point. So... We will see, but I'm really looking forward to the rest of this really starting to come together here over the tail end of the summer into the fall and really getting to enjoy driving the car over the, uh, I say winter, not really winter in Florida, but you guys get, get my drift.
Now, Blair and Teresa, they did come by and they helped me with two key things. One, I've been documenting the vacuum harness or manifold in the engine bay. So I had taken the manifold off the firewall through the inside of the car, blew out all the manifold ports, and reinstalled that. Now, what happens a lot of these cars is you have all the vacuum lines or the manifold on the firewall that's behind the engine that, oh, by the way, produces a ton of heat. So a lot of my vacuum lines, as I kind of got down in there and pulled the motor out, a lot of them just kind of pulled right off of those ports, right? Because they're 50 years old, they're brittle, they've just been damaged by really, uh, you know, a lot of heat, if you will, from that, that Mel 432 or that Mel 430. So... What um, what Blair helped me with is he had kind of documented where everything goes on the manifold in the engine bay. But then it's like, okay, where does everything go from there? There's a couple of books out there that you can get that will kind of explain it. I've done my research, and I wanted him just to double check where everything was going. I think it's maybe like eight ports-ish that are on the firewall manifold that kind of go out to everything over to the, the reservoir up to the little AC deals above the automatic temperature control box and things like that. So I am working on a real nice diagram that I think people will appreciate in the Lincoln forum. But uh, for me, I know if I ever have to help a friend or when we do Tony's car, we'll end up referring to that and we'll just make it really, really easy the next go around. So they helped not only with that, but they also helped with the convertible top. So I had everything pretty much wrapped up, but... I had to still bleed the system. Now, we had bled my system back last year, maybe late summer, and then that's when I thought that the line had blown out, but it was actually one of the cylinders blew out. So with that being said, it was, okay, time out. At this point, you got to get new lines, all that stuff, and I've talked about that. I did that upgrade myself, but then I just wanted a little bit of help to make sure that I was bleeding the system correctly. Blair said, hey, it's going to take about an hour, and it did, the way we did it. And uh, you basically have to you know, put power to your solenoids, and you have to run the rams in, out, in, out. And each time, you're putting more fluid into the pump. It's a high-volume pump, so it's pouring a lot of power. And you got to make sure that you're kind of powering that up correctly. And uh, you, know, you do all that stuff kind of manually. You, know, you, you can pick up power back there if your car's together, or you can do it with a battery. Now, there were some people that had asked for a video of that. I did not record that day. However, I will put something together to kind of explain it to everyone. I think it'll be of good benefit to those that want to do these type of updates or upgrades themselves. It wasn't too hard. It would be nice to have an extra helper there if you're doing it yourself. But those two things on my to-do list were huge, and I'm thankful for them coming by. Uh, And, um, you know, it all worked out. We kind of made a deal on, hey... This is how much they'll charge to come over, so on and so forth, and everything worked out, like I said. So looking forward to just knocking off more things on the Project Smuggler's Blues list over the coming weeks to have more updates for everyone here at the Lincoln Attic Podcast. So what's next on Smuggler's Blues? Uh, Next, I'm going to take out the lower dash and the main bezel. Really going to dive in, I think now, to the wiring. If... uh, you guys might recall, I've talked about Pat Tehan. He has a nice write-up at the Lincoln Forum how he updated his amp gauge over to a volt gauge. So 
that is something I'm finally going to do. And if you know these cars, 64, 65, you have to get your amp gauge rebuilt. Now, if you're going with a lot of extra power and you're not going to just bypass it, you can contemplate following his article or tech write-up on how to update it from an amp gauge to a volt gauge, right? So that's what I'm going to do. To me, with as much power that I'm going to have running through it, I, I just really want to update it. Now, you can also go with like Dakota Digital. And if you upgrade and you, 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 you know, you're not too concerned with the overall look of the aftermarket gauges, you can update to those and then you're kind of bypassing all that. But again, you'll see in Pat's write-up, if you ever search and, you know, if you guys need the link, let me know. But it's out there on the Lincoln forum. It's just easy to search. Uh, Pat did a good write-up and he talks about that, that long wire that goes all the way up through the engine bay, through behind the dash, all the way over, and all of the power of the car is going through that amp gauge. Uh, Tony Bossborn will tell you, in 2017, I think it was September, he bought a really nice 65 blue convertible. I was driving it home one night before Slamfest 2017 in October, and the car died out. And we're like, what the hell? And lo and behold, it was... Luckily, we didn't have a big fire. The amp gauge blew out. So if you have a 64 or 65 and you're unsure if it's been rebuilt, definitely, definitely spend the time, take it to a professional. If you can take it out, you can mail it to Blair. You have to email him first to kind of work out the details. Um, what you have to end up doing is email Blair. It's lincolnman57.bf, which stands for Blair Farmer, at gmail.com. Let him know what you need. He will rebuild it. He's one of the best around and the most economical price that you're going to find. So those are a few things that I have going on. Once the air suspension kit from Devious Customs gets here, I'll have to make a decision. Do I take the car over to Jimmy's Running Customs if he has an opening to install the kit? Or do I go first to the interior shop to have the top put on? That's the dilemma that I have. And I don't mind necessarily getting air suspension done first, but once the top's working, I'm really going to want to have the new blue top installed. I am sticking with the blue top. So more to come here in the coming weeks on my decision on whatever I decide to do there. Okay, episode 11 is in the works already. In the meantime, I mentioned this earlier, if you like trucks or truck talk or old school BMX, 80s, 90s, nostalgia, culture type things, check out our lifestyle podcast. It's O-U-R lifestyle podcast. It's built and centered around the mini truck community, the truck community, if you will go to shows around the nation and we produce and publish episodes every week. So check it out. If it interests you, you'll hear me as the co-host. And I also produce that podcast. Don't forget to check out Lincoln addict on YouTube. I have many more videos coming and recently, I published a multi-part video for the full hydraulic upgrade on my 64 Lincoln Continental. I have one final video that I'll produce that'll kind of be a wrap-up of it. And then I have to think about doing the, the mock-up of bleeding the system. But uh, overall, I think it's a three, four-part, uh, you know, 15 to 20-minute videos. And you'll get a chance to see how I went through meticulously Upgraded the lines, the solenoids, the rams, the cylinders, you name it, and biggity boom, everything comes together. Before you know it, once you hook up the final uh, deck lid rams or cylinders, then at that point, 
you'll have a working top. So it's not too, too bad in the grand scheme of things. Or if you don't want to do it, you can get with John Cashman or Blair Farmer, and you can have them do the upgrade for you. You can always go on convertiblelincolns.com. That's convertiblelincolns with an S, dot com. John Cashman's information is listed. He typically will tell you he'll answer questions over the phone. And then if he can provide a service in terms of coming out to you or uh, selling you parts that he has listed on his website, then by all means, uh, you know, he'll, he'll uh, refer to you there. But uh, his number, email address is listed there. He says, uh, please direct phone calls uh, to him as emails and texts will go unanswered due to the volume of requests and tech questions that he receives. And that's listed right on his website. So sit back, relax, enjoy Danny's interview. Uh, again, Danny is from Steel Rubber. You'll get a chance to f- uh, find out how he's tied into that awesome company. And then we'll talk, of course, about 60-era Lincoln Continentals. Hope that you guys enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Definitely subscribe to the podcast through Podbean, or if you're on Apple iPhone, go into the pre-installed podcasts app. It's a purple icon. Search Lincoln Addict and subscribe. That way, when we publish new episodes, you'll automatically be notified. Appreciate everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Hopefully, you guys had a great 4th of July. ODB, the Lincoln Addict, we out of here. See you. Hey, hey, and as I mentioned, we've got an awesome company that really supports our favorite cars, the 60-era Lincolns. We've got Danny from Steel Rubber. How you doing, man? Doing good. How about you? Everything is good. It's early in the week that we're recording. I certainly appreciate Steel Rubber's time coming on here to talk a little bit about the business, but uh, most importantly to us Lincoln lovers, these awesome parts that you guys produce. Hey, well, you know, it's, it's been one of those things where it's just, We've had a, a lot of great feedback from, from all the parts that we make, and we really enjoy the community. That's fantastic. And just to kind of put a face to the name, if you guys watch, I think it's Dennis Gage, My Classic Car. You probably have seen Danny on there before. I know I've seen him on. So it's Danny. Uh, you got the beard, right? Rocking the beard. And, uh, you know, so now some people might know what you look like. You better watch out. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of our how-to videos and stuff. and. Um, definitely going to all the, all the trade shows. So I'm, I'm, I'll be around. Cool. Cool. So I kind of wanted to start off and say, you know, when I go on steel rubber, which for the listeners, it's simple. It's S T E E L E rubber.com. I've, you know, read the site over the years and you guys kind of continue to refresh and, and update it. But I noticed there's a story on there about Lynn steel uh, he started the company back in what appears to be 1958. But can you give maybe just a little overview of like steel rubber and maybe uh, you know so folks know the background of the company? Yeah, so people ask us all the time, you know, steel rubber. What is it that you make? And you know, steel is the last name of our founder, Lynn Steel, mm-hmm. um, which is my grandfather. Oh wow! And so when he was um, back in the 50s. He actually created a company uh, making go-karts. That's how everything first started. Hmm. And he was a a tool and die shop. He made racing go-karts. And then he was also restoring a 1931 Cadillac. 
Okay. Uh, so he used his tool and die knowledge to make parts that he couldn't find mm-hmm. for his Cadillac. He, his his shop is right down the road from a rubber company. So he would make a mold. He would rent some time at the rubber company, mm-hmm. make a part, and, you know, just kind of make it for himself. He was also in a couple clubs. He was in the uh, AACA and the CCCA, and they realized that, you know, hey, they're making parts. So they asked, can you make this for me? Can you make this for me? Uh, he started to sell them to the club people and uh, go to car shows and sell the parts. And that's basically how the company formed into what it is today. And now we offer 12,000 parts for all makes and models, American American cars. And it's it's kind of done the same way. We, we get an original from a customer. We make the part and send it out to them. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And what I think is important, and I know especially in – you know, and I, I could easily say in today's environment, but really for the past hundred years, people really take pride in having parts that are made in the good old US of A. And I think like Steel's done a really good job, even from a social media standpoint, really to reinforce some of those key things. So just to be clear, the products are made here, correct? The Lincoln parts are made here. There's a couple parts that we have in our huge line of parts that, you know, we, we source out because yes. we don't have the machines to make them. But all the Lincoln parts, the convertible roof rails, the trunk weather stripping, all that is made about 100 feet from where I'm sitting right now. That's awesome. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? Because from a business standpoint, you have to you know, do what's best for the business. So that, that, that makes perfect sense. I appreciate you breaking that down. Now, if the listeners go to steelrubber, S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com, you can scroll to the bottom and click on About Us. Like many companies' websites, they have their story and Danny just hit on some of those key items. Now, one thing that I thought was interesting, a lot of folks think of muscle and they think of hot rods from the Michigan area. It appears, right, and keep me honest, Danny, that the company was formed in Michigan, but later on moved to the Carolinas. Is that correct? Yeah. So the company did start in the Detroit area. Um, you know, a lot of my family, my grandfather and his his siblings and, and relatives were in the auto industry and it was really it really booming up there. So whenever we whenever he was making parts though, he was making parts for thirties and forties vehicles. Because mm-hmm. they were the ones that were needing the parts at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's kind of what was what was being restored. And throughout the seventies and eighties and nineties, you know, the we actually moved to North Carolina in 75. Okay. Uh, 74, 75. And, you know, during that process, really what was being restored was the the older vintage vehicles, not necessarily the muscle cars. It's always interesting to me how there's like this, of you know, uh, what's the call? What's the word I'm thinking of? It's... It's like an evolution because, like, to your point, in 1975, they weren't restoring 1960 Lincolns, right, because they were kind of new. So it is interesting. Yeah. You know, you guys have been through lots of different facets of people restoring certain years, makes, models, that type of thing. That's right. That's right. Got it. And it, just to be clear, it's Denver. I had never heard of Denver, North Carolina. Now, I've been – I'm not a resident there, of course, but, um, you know, it's pretty cool that I'm sure some, sometimes people scratch their head and they go, Denver, and you're like, no, Denver, North Carolina. 
Yeah. Uh, so we, we call ourselves Denver of the East. And actually, this area is uh, a hotbed for classic cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're right we're right down the road from Mooresville, which is, yes. you know, considered race city. You know, you got all the big uh, NASCAR teams over there. Uh, but, you know, Denver has a, a lot of hot rod shops. Uh, for for as small of an area as it is, it's it's just a big area. You know, it's it's right in the heart of where all the NASCAR stuff took place, and I think that just kind of stuck around. Uh, we're we're about thirty miles, forty miles north of Charlotte. Got it. And it was interesting. If I would have had a little bit more time, I would have cruised through there this past weekend. I was up in Piney Flats, Tennessee. Never been there. Went up there for a, a car show for another podcast I produce and. I talked to some my friends that came from those areas, and I remember when my dad, you know, always talked about going to like Lake Norman and stuff, or some of the Earnhardt families, and I know the Petties, they have the race shops, and it is to your point a very uh, culture centric around hot rods and and Americana, right? As as Velocity, um, you know, would say it now. I think they're Motor Trend, but yeah, it's a hotbed for sure, and it's a great location, I'm sure, for your for your organization. Yeah, like I said, we moved down here in the '70s, and we're we're still here. Live and kicking, I love it. So you mentioned, Danny, uh, there's obviously, and we saw this on My Classic Car, I mean, there's a ton of products out there, but if you were to give like the elevator pitch to the listeners about steel rubber, it's not just auto, you know, you kind of mentioned, but there's a little bit of RV and marine as well. So talk to us a little bit about the overarching, you know, products that you guys offer. Yeah, so we offer, like I said, over 12,000 parts. Uh, The majority of that number Mm -hmm. is for automotive use. It's, you know, everything from weather stripping for your doors and trunks, gaskets for your glass, vent window seals, uh, all the little rubber bumpers and grommets and body mounting pads. And throughout the years, the past few years, we've had a lot of customers ask us, you know, if we can make stuff for their RV because Mm -hmm. RVs have become super popular and we we have we have started to make some of that stuff, and it's it's been a, a, a really great thing for us uh, uh, and and our customers because that's a market that wasn't being served at the time. Got it. Uh, so we started making stuff for boats as well. We uh, our customers ask for it, and we're able to do it. So it, it's it's been a really good thing, and we have uh, two different websites that are devoted to the RV and marine market. And, you know, it helps customers just find what they need easier than, than to look through all of our automotive stuff. Very cool. There's even, um, there's a TV station that we, we get down here. I forget the name of it now, but they had a show on where they go to a place called Flight Camp. I think it's like out in Utah or something. And they restore these vintage campers, if you will. And to your point, that's big business right now. Yeah, we've actually worked with Flight Camp before. Oh, that's where I had. I uh, thought maybe you'd say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we we do some of the vintage camper stuff, uh, and that's kind of where we we're starting. But then everyone's like, you know, this stuff goes bad in two years. Mm-hmm. So so we we do a lot of modern things for the RVs as well. Yeah, and for you guys, having been in business for so long, I you know shook hands with you guys at SEMA a couple years ago, but. I would imagine that you probably have people that did like a restoration in the 70s, right, for whatever your car, the vintage car they were working on then. And your products, I know they're made so well at steel. 
I, I would imagine that there's older restorations that have been out there 30, 40, 50 years that still have these awesome products on them. There is. There, we get people all the time that say, you know, I did this restoration 30 years ago and the rubber is just like it was brand new. And the thing is, we make our stuff out of 100% EPDM rubber, which is important. Not all EPDM is equal. Uh, we don't use any kind of fillers in it. If you know anyone with like a late 60s Mopar, mm-hmm. Mopar was using 100% EPDM in their vent window seals. Ah. And a customer will send us an original, and it's like a brand new. I mean, it's, it's, it's used original stuff, and it's like brand new. And that's the same material that we make our parts out of. Yeah, that's a good way to visually... You know, uh, you know, kind of spell it out for the for the listeners, Danny. So thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me that you know sometimes folks, and we'll get into this a little bit here as we start talking about the Lincoln products. But I know when I I fell in love with these cars, the '60 era Lincolns, a long time ago. And I, when I was researching a lot of, I mean, I want to get into one maybe about ten years ago. Started looking into like what are the bigger costs? Like if you got a convertible, obviously the weather stripping and stuff. But to me, I tell people all the time, it's an investment that you have to make that if you have a nice car that might be worth 20, 30, 40 grand, you don't want to put a cheap product or you don't want to say, ah, you know what? I don't need that trunk seal because on these cars, especially we had John Cashman on and John is the number one guy in the world. He was recently on Jay Leno Garage and he restored us or did a 66 top for Jay. But, you know, he'll tell you and any of these Lincoln uh, folks will tell you water is the enemy. And these products that you guys offer will help keep the the vehicle sealed, keep them quieter. There's so many benefits. So, you know, we appreciate what you guys do. Yeah, and, you know, one of our main objective, uh, objectives is to help the auto restoration hobby. Mm-hmm. There's not a million of these convertibles out there. There's, yep. you know, several thousand. Yep. And, uh, you know, we we take a risk with making the parts going through the expense of making the tooling. Yes. But you know, the, the continentals are also one of those cars that if someone has them, they're going to be restoring it. It's, it's not like a, you know, you don't usually see them just laying around. Yeah. You usually don't see them like a rat rod. I mean, there's very few in our community that are kind of, they left the, they leave them kind of like a patina style, but a lot of guys, even yeah. in the C10 world, like they'll leave the outside patina, but Engine bays done, all new weather seals and that type of thing. So yeah, yeah to your point, I mean it's That's way less. Than, yeah, way less than one percent of people are like going. Ah, I'm not going to you know buy anything for it. So yeah, it makes sense. But speaking of that, you know we noticed at the Lincoln Addict podcast and our you know social media following that steel, as we've kind of laid the foundation, has been really ramping up and producing more parts for the '60 era Lincoln Continentals. Even earlier in June, I received, because I'm on your mailing list, an email of, hey, there's new products out there. But can you share an overview of what, like, some of these parts that you're making for the Lincolns? And do you see that there's a few more that you guys can continue to produce for, like, the six, let's say the 61 to 69 Lincolns? Yeah, so basically we're wanting to cover that realm and have, have all the parts available. Mm-hmm. The, the tricky part is getting good originals to make the parts off of. Mm-hmm. We're, we're getting really close. There's still a few parts we're looking for, but, you know, we're still looking for the doors for, like, the 61 to 63s. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got in the roof rails for the 
61 to 63 sedans. Okay. And, you know, we, we, we have completed all the convertible roof rails. We've completed all of the trunks, all of the flip panel seals. That we have, we have a, a ton of parts for them, but there's a ton of parts on the cars. So, you know, we, we, keep, we keep a list of, of what we're looking for, and we, we, we talk to customers every once in a while and see if we can get an original. And sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. You know, you might hear that they're going to send something in, they don't, they don't send it in. Mm-hmm. But um, so we're, we're kind of waiting for that. We can't just make a part out of nothing. Yeah, you need something to reference. And, and it's amazing how even all those years ago, you know, the stuff wasn't really made with computers and stuff. There's not scans and all that. So it was really, it was made with workforce, and it's one of those things where you got to get the original. That's right, yeah. Okay, got it. So one thing that I noticed about the products in general is, like, just awesome quality. And you mentioned about, I think you said EPDM, rubber, right? Now, not yeah. many companies are kind of getting behind these cars. And to your point, I mean, there were some years that were only like 3,500 convertibles made. And then when you add up 61 through 69 and what's really still out there, I think you said at best, I mean, there's a few thousand of these, right, that are kind of roaming around. But what other things do you guys do from a product standpoint that makes your products e- – because I'll tell anybody, they're way superior over the competition – even though there's not a lot of other players kind of in the game, so to speak, anything else you can share with us, Danny, on why steel and, and some of the tooling processes that you guys use that makes your product even that more superior than maybe some of the other guys that are trying to play in this realm? So our process basically is we, we get an original part. Um, we do use all the modern technology to scan the part, uh, create a, a CAD file and uh, uh, file so we can make a mold for the part. You know, we do all of the, if it had a metal core, we put a metal core in it. Usually that core is going to be brass because brass doesn't rust mm-hmm. where steel does. You know, all, all the fine details we, we're very meticulous about because we're not in the game to just quickly do something and push it out and sell it. We, we want, we want, truly want to make a part that is perfect in performance mm-hmm. and we we don't cut any corners whenever whenever we whenever we have a chance to and the parts for these cars really what's allowed us to do them is the increase in popularity that they've had recently oh yeah um, we, we kind of think the hbo show entourage they had a 65 on there and i think that's maybe what kind of really got it going yeah there, there's no denying that it's been more popular recently uh, in the early 2000s, we didn't really get much ask, like much calling for them. And, you know, even later, the people who were making them were making them cheaper because they weren't selling as many. Sure. Uh, but now that the popularity is coming up and we're able to sell more, we've invested the money in to make them right. Uh, so that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, and I tell people all the time, especially with the other podcasts I produce, whether it be you know, air suspension, steel rubber, these products. What's important is when a company produces something that's top-notch and it's a good product, you got to go out there and support that company because, again, you know, you said it best, Danny, there's a lot of technology when you talk about CAD files and scanning and producing brass cores and things like that. You know, you don't want a company to say, well, you know what, we put all the time, R&D, so to speak, into this product, 
and nobody's buying it. You know, well, we're not going to make any more, you know, stuff for the Lincoln. So, and I know early in June, as I mentioned, when I received the email since I'm on the mailing list, which we'll talk about, I immediately was like, oh, wow, cool. There's some more products. And I talked to Chris Dunn over at Lincoln Land. He's the number one Lincoln place in the world, really, for parts and just a mecca here in Clearwater. And he goes, hey, Jason, thanks for telling me. He goes, I've been waiting. I need to order some stuff. And he ordered some pieces. I know my buddy Tony's going to have some going on his convertible, a 65. So, you know, once we can help, you know, we love helping to get the word out because products that you guys produce, I mean, we see it. We see the social media posts. It's a good, awesome company that's been around half century or so, a little bit more. But, you know, we appreciate what you guys do for sure, man. Well, we always appreciate hearing stuff like that. You know, it's it's we, we're, we're car people too. Oh, yeah. And it's just we we wouldn't put anything inferior on our car uh and we wouldn't produce anything inferior to sell someone uh every, everything that we sell is 100% backed and you know we we design it to work correctly we don't design it to be cheap and to not last definitely and before we talk i wanted to kind of talk a couple of uh, the parts for the 6465 specifically but I would mention something I learned, Danny, when you were on My Classic Car is when the listeners go to steelrubber.com, they can just hit the drop-down arrows and talk to us a little bit about the specific catalog that's sent out to the potential buyers when they hit the, the website steelrubber.com. Yeah, so our, our website is searchable by year, make, model, and body style. Uh, and we also send out custom catalogs that are year, make, and body style specific. Mm -hmm. So if you have a 64 continental convertible, we can send you a catalog that's just for a 64 continental convertible. It wouldn't be like the convertible and the sedan. And because we print all those catalogs in house. So they just need to tell us what vehicle they have. We print it out and send it out. It takes a day and you'll have it within a week. Yeah, after my after I saw you on my classic car, I did that, and gosh, I couldn't believe it was a few days later I had it, and it made the planning process easier uh, for me. Yeah, because then you can see, you know, what we have, what we don't have. So if you know you just you just got a car um, before you tear everything off, you want to know what you're going to be able to replace. Because I can't tell you how many times people have called and said, you know, I hate that you don't have it because I already threw it away. Right, yeah, you can't, and, especially on Lincoln, don't throw anything away. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a really good tool to go through and say, you know, I know I need my roof rail. I know I need uh, my door seals. But, hey, I didn't, I didn't think about the side window leading edge between the two glasses or the little – molded pieces in the in the bottom of the deck lid mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's it's a really nice tool yeah definitely and i would tell people too whether you want to do the catalog or you want to create a spreadsheet a lot of guys out there you know i look at my car and my car really needed a lot and some of the pieces could get by but if you really need something you know you can go out there you can order Based upon what your budget allows, you know, order a few pieces, and then as time goes on, like let's say you're going to get the top redone, well, then maybe you want to get the convertible roof rail kit. You know, a little bit more expensive, a lot more process to make it. It's a seven piece kit, but overall, like I tell people, like you got some parts that are, you know, 
you know, cheaper, right, on, on, on the dollar scale, which is fantastic. And then you've got the more expensive stuff. So people just need to kind of balance their budget, get what they need. And then over time, they can always go back to the site and order um, the next stuff on their list, so to speak. Yeah, and the interesting thing is with Lincoln's, you know, like versus maybe, you know, like a Camaro part or something, is the difference between us and, you know, competition price-wise with the Lincoln's really, there's been times where we're cheaper and it's a better product. Oh, yeah. Whereas the Camaro stuff, usually you, you get what you pay for. Sometimes with the Lincoln stuff, you can pay a lot and still get a bad product. But any, anything with us, if you buy from us and you're not satisfied, then you're not stuck with that thing. So you can always have that comfort in, in buying from us and knowing that you'll be taken care of. Got it. Yeah, and I you know, appreciate you saying that. So something that came to mind, like I had my friends over recently and we were – I had finished the what John Cashman calls the hydraulic upgrade on my top, and you know we had the the deck lid open. It kind of opens reverse, and my friends that have been working on these cars a long time. They were talking about the the trunk seal, and I was like, "Yeah, you know, steel has it now." And they were kind of amazed. They go, "Well, you don't want to get rid of these ends. You know, nobody's making these ends now. They're like, you know, you have to reuse these." And I kind of started thinking to myself, I was like, "Well, no, I, you know, I haven't seen the part in person, but I'm like, I think." This new part that you guys are producing, which I believe came out early June, it's called the Trunk Luggage Compartment Weather Strip. And it's a part number 70387884. This trunk weather strip is designed, it says, from the original part for superior fitment. Do you happen to know, Danny, like, do you have to reuse any parts? Or is this, like, you know, a complete replacement? That is a complete replacement. So... The molded ends they're talking about are right where the flip panel is, mm-hmm. um, kind of where the trunk starts to come back towards each other and then yes. points towards the front of the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, our trunk weather strips have that on it. Yep. Uh, for the 64, 65, and the 66, 67, they have very complex molded ends, and so it's an expensive tool, which no one wanted to make, so... Uh, that's why people were reusing them, but we've now made that. Yeah, and, and it's I, all one piece. Exactly, and I was pretty confident about that because when you go to the site, as Danny mentioned, and you do the year make model style, which I'm on now for '64 convertible, you know they have four images underneath that trunk luggage compartment weather strip, you know, product, if you will. And when you click on one of those, it shows the brass core, it has the measurements, and so on. And I, I just think, you know, it's key to reinforce that, Danny, because, again, you know, you've laid this foundation that, you know, the products are superior. They're awesome. Brass cores, you name it. But you got a part that you you guys didn't overlook it. You know, maybe you didn't get a lot of calls for it. Maybe you did. But now you got it. And for a very reasonable price, you get a pretty big piece of weather strip that's, that's an intricate part of these cars. Yeah. And, you know, that trunk is so complex. I mean, that's that's really... You know, there's there's a couple highlights of of the Lincoln Continentals, and definitely one of them is going to be the trunk and the flipper panels and all that. Oh yeah. Uh, so it's it's a very crucial component which can't always be piecemealed together with just generic weather stripping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen a lot of it done, and some people have done it to the point where, you know, it's mostly successful. You know, with, without getting water in or anything, but 
they're using several pieces and they're, you know, having to miter and, and it doesn't really look that great. It looks like, you know, something that it may work, uh, where this is just fits just like the factory. Yeah, definitely. And we've seen some guys over the time, right? I mean, everybody's got a little bit different budget where they've kind of like, to your point, piecemealed some things together. But, you know, I tell people all the time, time is money, especially like if you're doing a full restoration or you've got it at a paint body shop or you're kind of a casual, hey, I want to work on my car myself. If you go to steelrubber.com, that's steel, S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com, get the catalog, see the, the products, and you'll be pretty amazed at uh, the quality and it just saves you time. And then, oh, by the way, as you mentioned, with these cars being so intricate, you definitely don't want water getting in there. I've seen, Tony and I have seen many cars where the water has sat. Maybe it wasn't dripping correctly, like through, you know, around where the trunk opens up and starts to rot. I mean, there's a lot of rust problems. So it's best to to get the best product out there to keep all of that moisture and stuff out of the car. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially, you know, away from all the electronics that are on that deck lid. Definitely. So, you know, obviously steel has been around a long time. There's a lot of awesome products out there. Uh, what else would you like to share? Maybe any other insight about the organization or other products or anything special you guys have coming up over the next uh, six to 12 months? So we still have new parts coming out for, for Lincoln's, you know, the 61 to 67, mostly 69. You know, we have the, the roof rails for the sedans. Those things are a beast. I don't know if many of your listeners have the hard tops, but they are very complex rubber pieces, but we got a great set of originals um, that we're going to, we're going to use to make the part. Mm -hmm. And those I think will be available next year uh, and sometime in 2020, just because they are a very complex piece. Uh, We've got the rear window for the 61 to 63 is coming out. Uh, That will probably be ready later this year. Uh, some parts that we're still looking for, uh, for the 61 to 63, we're looking for the doors. We've had some people say they're going to send them in. We haven't got them yet, but so we're still looking for the doors. Okay. For the 64, 65, we're still looking for uh, an original vent window and the rear door weather strip for the convertible. Okay. And for the 66, 67, we're looking for the vent window seal and the side window leading edge and the lock pillar filler, the little U-shaped piece Yes. on the U-jam. So, you know, there's, there's still several little pieces. You know, all of that is, you know, but there are at the same time crucial components to like a weather stripping kit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're definitely looking for those. We would make them if we, if we got them. We're just looking for a good original. Yeah, and I've, um, you know, it's funny you bring up the vent windows. I would tell anybody, go on YouTube and type in steel. S-T-E-E-L-E rubber, you'll see various videos. I would subscribe to their YouTube channel. You'll see Danny in, for instance, one of the, there's a video, just a general video from 11 months ago, how to replace vent window weather stripping. That stuff isn't always easy from what I understand, but it's awesome that you guys are like forward thinking, trying to like kind of check off the list, right, Danny, and get everything, uh, all the I's dotted and cross the T's crossed. (laughs) Exactly. You know, um, it, it's it's always frustrating for a customer to have all the parts but one. Mm-hmm. So we, we want to be able to offer everything. And, you know, maybe I'm OCD and, and just want to 
get all the parts, but <laughs> uh, every everything we've made has had great response. Uh, you know, even though there's not a ton of these cars out there, they're selling because people like them and, and the community talks. So it's it's been great. And I think what's important too that we've seen and John Cashman's mentioned this, you know, I talked to him last week and he lives over on Palm Springs. There are, a, you know, with the cult following of these cars, a lot of these cars over the years turned into parts cars and some have been sitting. And like our friend Mario over at Lincoln Boys in California, he probably gets a lot of calls from people that go, you know, I really want a car, but maybe here's my budget. And, and these cars are kind of drying up, so to speak. So some of these parts cars are kind of getting turned into resto mods and kind of getting back, you know, they're being taken from the parts area into the restoration area, right? And I think that's important too because now you've got cars that have been sitting a long time that really need some of these rubber pieces even though they're not going to be full restorations. You know, they're still going to have the same doors. So it, right. I think, you know, to your point, there's a there's a ramp up that we've seen with these cars kind of getting back on the road and people really wanting them. So that's good for you guys from a business model too. Yeah, it, it, it definitely doesn't hurt, you know. <laughs> and um, anytime that that we can – get together with a, a club or anything like that we've 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 tried to help them out and anytime that a customer says they want an original or want a part made we've we've done that yeah and and that goes a long way i talked to a big company recently about trying to produce something for these cars and we've had some good luck with a recent guest like pat you know he worked with a radiator company and he's working with another company on another part for a transmission filter, believe it or not, they don't make those for these cars, which is mind blowing. But you know, some of the companies go, "Hey, you know, we don't have time," but it's awesome because Steel is that uh, born in America company that has continued to listen, you know, as much as they can to the consumers and say, "Hey, listen, it might not be the first thing on our list, but we're going to get to it. We've got it down," and it's awesome to hear and see that. Uh, I would remind anyone again, just if nothing else, visit SteelRubber.com. Do the drop-downs, as Danny mentioned. Order the free catalog, right? It's fun to look through. It's pretty simple. It's not overbearing in terms of the content. And then start making a list. You know, if you think you need a couple things, or let's say your windshield is is cracked, and you know that you're going to have a windshield replaced, you know, order that seal. Start getting the parts that you need, making a list, making a plan, because that's important. And then, Danny, I wouldn't want to end without saying that you guys have done a fantastic job. Uh, steel rubber from a Facebook Instagram, Twitter, and then, oh, by the way, I mentioned on YouTube, you guys have really embraced that, and that's a big part of business now in you know the, the, the 2019 world we live in. Well, I, I really appreciate that, and uh, we're definitely trying, and you know, any, anything that, that we can do to, to help the customer, is, is it just pays back dividends. Yeah, and it definitely, and when you follow Steel Rubber on Instagram, you'll see that they have a few hashtags highlighted in their profile. Hashtag steel rubber, hashtag sealed with steel, and again, there's an E on the end of steel. Um, also, you'll see that you know the company is made up of a lot of good, hardworking folks. You know they do a great job with some of the selfie day, national selfie days, and this type of thing. So it is a lot of good American workers behind this great organization. Uh, I love the uh, the photo on the website as well as I think it was recently shared on Instagram of uh, Lynn Steel. Uh, and the Instagram post was taking a moment to remember our company's founder on what would have been his 99th birthday. That was back on May 31st. So, you know, salute to your grandfather, a legend. I know we've all lost some loved ones, but 
for what he did and the foresight that he had, it puts us into 2019 doing a podcast talking about some darn awesome products, man. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is crazy. But uh, to you and all the folks there, we'd love to maybe sync back up at the end of the year, early uh, 2020, I guess. And uh, I'll be out there at SEMA this year. We'll come by and slap hands and, uh, you know, again, continue to, to do what you guys do. We always joke around our little saying is stay on the rise. And uh, you guys have been on the rise for well over a half century. So uh, thanks again, Danny and team. And we're looking forward to uh, ordering some more parts from you guys. Sounds great. We really appreciate it, Jason. All right. You guys have a great day. You too. Thank you.